Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the HFFL pod. This will be the Jim's preseason pod edition. Um, if you've noticed, I have not weighed in on any of the team preview pods to this point. I'm working on getting the last two scheduled. We've had quite a few conflicts. Uh, Coach Belichick and Coach Tomlin, Julian and Ryan, uh, we're having some issues, obviously, getting those coaches nailed down. And then uh, some people may or may not have forgotten uh, their anniversary when they set a date, not naming any names. But, you know, these things happen. So we'll get those two um, here in the next three weeks. We've got a little bit less than three weeks here until the season starts. Uh, we'll get those two out there. But um, I was going to save this until right before the season. But since there will be for sure a two-week lull here, just about a week and a half lull, um, I am going to go ahead and post this now. So um, I do want to give you a little bit of a heads up. Um, I'm going to start a grad program here in the next month or so. Um, so it will probably limit how much I'm able to pod this year. Obviously, big time constraints with having two kids and full-time job. Um, so this year, it may be a very segment-based in-season pod. Um, I'll probably, at worst, throw together my own little 10-minute segment combined with what I'm assuming WBL will have something, Ryan will have something, you know, Scott will throw stuff in there. I don't know if Rich wants to do his own deal there. Um, Kellen's Corner, you know, I, I, if, if you're interested in doing a pod segment during that in-season, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the the differences everybody has. So if that's something you're interested in, you know, we'll talk obviously as we get closer, but uh, I don't know that there'll be one big overarching pod like we did with uh, Rich, and Ryan, Rich and Ryan last year. So with this pod, um, I took some inspiration from Rich. Um, I decided to make a spreadsheet. I decided to weight each position. Um, I went through them position by position. So I went through every single D-line group for every single team and then moved on to linebacker and then moved on to DB, um, et cetera. The defense was painstaking. I spent in way too much time doing this, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you're sitting here, it's PD week, you're twiddling your thumbs, paying attention, but, you know, you got to find something to do here. So um, it was very cool to go through these groups, each position, uh, one team at a time. It was very eye-opening. Um, and then when I, you know, had the, the spreadsheet calculate all the results, um, things were very different than what I personally would have thought I would put down, um, my, my, my own biased opinion. So should be interesting to see um, a couple surprises here as far as I'm concerned, but uh, should be fun. So to go back to last year really quick, um, in my preseason pod predictions last year, I had four of the six playoff teams picked correctly, um, which is pretty well in line with what I was doing when I was writing these out. Um, obviously, I like to pod these much better. Uh, it's a lot better to listen to them back in my opinion but um, hopefully this year we can get in that five or six range uh, with this this new model it feels like every year I have a new model but this year thanks Rich stole your idea a little bit uh, tweaked it just slightly and and we'll see if it works all right so I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it uh, we got tier one here this is the going after 1.01 tier uh, the tiers and teams in this tier have no chance of making the playoffs um, in the opinion of myself and my model um, and they should sell what they have and they should go full rebuild so my model has the worst team, the number 14 team in the entire league as Kobe. Um, I was kind of surprised by this. I know the, uh, the last couple pods we've had, people have not really been high on Kobe's team. Um, but my model hates him. Uh, HFFL Vegas has Kobe's over-under at three and a half wins. Um, so I'd like to hear everybody's opinion on these. I'll post these um, in a chat or in a message board 
gonna be fun, I think, to maybe make a little spreadsheet, see what everybody thinks, maybe get everybody in on this, and maybe have a little pool. Um, whoever has the the best odds or the best uh, number picked correctly at the end of the year, maybe I'll throw you know a little five dollars, ten dollars, something at them here. So I think we're gonna do something fun there. So over under three and a half wins for Kobe plus two thousand are the HFFL Vegas odds. Obviously, A Rod, big quarterback, posed for another big year. Um, I think he's going to try to stick it to Green Bay before he's out the door after this year. Obviously, you guys know I love Tua. As Logan would say, Tua is good. Um, Aaron Jones is a stud, but I think he is a must-sell for Kobe. I think Kobe, the longer he holds on to Aaron Jones, the well, coming into the season anyway, the longer he holds on towards that trade deadline, the less he's going to get. Um, when a team kind of comes out of nowhere early in the year, they start, you know, 3-0, 3-1, whatever, and they weren't really anticipating being good. Um, I think that value for Aaron Jones will be through the roof, um, and Kobe will be able to get, you know, a first plus, probably first and second plus um, at that time. So everybody else in his backfield, though, is a hand, is a kind of a handcuff or a backup. He has all three of those Miami running backs, um, so he needs an injury there to make something happen. A.J. Dillon with those man-sized thighs, you guys know I love him. Still upset that Walt sniped me there, but what can you do? Um, Kenyon Drake has been kind of a, a darling this offseason, I guess. Everybody thinks he's going to take over some crazy role with Josh Jacobs or over Josh Jacobs, not necessarily over him, but a third down role and have great value. Um, I don't see him being more any more valuable than you know Josh Jacobs' backup was last year, so I personally don't really see that, and I'm a huge Kenyon Drake fan. Wide receiver, he's got Allen Robinson and Deontay Johnson. It's a very nice duo. Um, I like the upside. You know, I'm a homer. I like the upside of... Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, but he's got a lot of wide receivers on his roster, and a lot of them are in flux. You know, A.J. Green, Jalen Guyton, Darius Slayton, Traquan, MVS, James Washington, Quintez Cephas. I mean, that's seven roster spots that scored 654 points last year, 93 points per you know on average per player. Um, do they even top that this year? I, I don't know. That seems like a lot of wasted space to me. Uh, at tight end, Noah Fant has great upside. Uh, he scored, or had 675 yards last year, but he's got to increase that three touchdowns um, to to make any noise, really. To me, all people who have Denver playmakers should hope that Teddy Bridgewater is that guy. You know, he supported, what, three top 25 options last year in Carolina. So I know he's not sexy, but as far as fantasy football numbers go, Teddy is an improvement over Drew Locke, um, in my opinion. Sound like Ryan there. Uh, at D-line. Uh, he's got J.J. Watt and Demarcus Lawrence. Both are top 15 options. Uh, Frank Clark has some upside if he can keep himself out of jail with his latest couple run-ins here this offseason. Linebacker, he's got Deion Jones, Alex Singleton, who was for some reason cut by Walt despite him being a probable three-down linebacker this year, um, and A.J. Johnson. I think all three of those guys push for top 30 numbers. I don't really know what happens in Green Bay. Um, is it Devondre Campbell, who Matt has? Is it uh, Chris Barnes? Is it Christian Kirksey? You know, I, I don't know. The last few years, they've only really ran one three-down linebacker. Everybody else is kind of part-time, so whoever does get that role will have value. I just have no idea who it will be, and all three of these guys are rostered in the HFFL, so probably by week three, I expect the other two to be on the uh, waiver wire here. Um, Matt has definitely embraced the cornerback stream. It's a savvy model um, if you execute it well. He does have two of the best fantasy football corners in the NFL. Um, I'm a big fan of Taylor Rapp this year, uh, one of my favorite uh, IDB analysts loves him um, I think he's got great upside now that John Johnson's gone there and then um, in Dallas you know is it Donovan Wilson or is it Keanu Neal playing the strong safety role in that uh, Dan Quinn defense I really don't know makes sense to me to be Keanu Neal like why else does Dan Quinn bring him with him but I really have no clue
Uh, so that's it for Kobe. We'll move on to the number 13 team, Sam. Um, Sam has HFFL Vegas has him at over and under three and a half wins. He is plus 2,000. Um, at quarterback, I'm slightly nervous for Herbert. We talked about this a little bit in one of the pods the other day. Um, just that he has to learn a new offense. Um, it's a new head coach. It's just there's just a lot of new for a young guy. But you know his weapons are absolutely fantastic. The Chargers have put assets into their offensive line, so he has he definitely has the same upside that he had shown last year. Um, at running back, this is by far the worst running back group in the HFFL. This might be the worst position group as a whole in the HFFL, and that to me is an absolute disaster as running back has been the second highest scoring position in our league for the last, I don't know, forever, probably. Um, David Johnson, Elijah Mitchell, Tony Pollard, nobody with any value without an injury there. David Johnson's not even the starter anymore, and I was pretty shocked by that. Um, it just what, what a disaster at running back here. At wide receiver, he's got A.J. Brown. Um, he, like I said, he's a stud. I said this on the last pod. I am worried about Julio stealing some of his thunder, you know, and maybe taking him from a top 10 lock to that wide receiver 12, the wide receiver 16 range. So should be interesting to see what happens there. But who else on his roster has top 40 upside? Um, is it Michael Gallup? I don't think so with, without an injury to C.D. or Amari or, you know, Dallas leading the league in pass attempts or something like that. Christian Kirk, I, no. Devontae Parker, I don't, I don't think so. I feel like his breakout fifth year was a fluke. Um, I'm glad that I was able to get out of him in uh, League of Legends. Thanks, Corey. Um, after that breakout there, Tim Patrick, no. Sterling Shepard, no. Jalen Waddle, I suppose it's possible. Um, it just feels unlikely to me, but we'll see. Um, at tight end, I'm still a huge fan of Mark Andrews. And if he brings the touchdowns back last year and continues with his yardage and receptions, you know he's back pushing that top three again. Um, it's moving on to his defense. There's no defensive lineman in the top 30. Um, I've been trying to sell Chris Jones. I was able to sell him yesterday to Rich or two days ago now to Rich. Um, I did offer him to Sam. Um, Sam was interested, but we weren't able to find a common ground there. At linebacker, I think he's got really nice linebackers. I think this, as the guy who has Sam's pick, this linebacker and this DB group are what worry me as far as buoying his potential points. Um, he has three linebackers with top 15 upside. Um, CJ Mosley, Coming back, who really knows? But, I mean, he, in the past, he has had a, number, a linebacker one overall type season. He's had multiple top ten seasons. Um, Levante Davis is a stud. Demario Davis has been a stud. You know, these are all older guys. Um, obviously, I'm biased having Sam's pick, but I, like I said, my model and I both agree this Sam's going to be a really bad team. So selling these players for picks is the move, um, especially as he tries to recoup you know, losing his first this year. Um, at DB, Jeremy Chin and Jabril Peppers, probably the number three, number four duo there in the HFFL. Marcus May is solid. Carlton Davis, one of those great uh, fantasy football corners. All right, moving on to Mike, number 12. Mike, I'm not sure I agree with this one. Uh, to me, this was the, the biggest surprise when I was checking out the, uh, the final data. I, I, in my head, had Mike much higher. Um, that could be just, obviously, my bias towards Amari Cooper and Robert Woods. I think they're both exceptional players. Um, I love Antonio Gibson, have loved Antonio Gibson. I completely regret my trade of him, but what can I do? Uh, Mike, like I've been texting you, you need to trade Gibson to me before you know he gets that Mike curse and ends up hurt. You know, the Mike curse strikes again, strikes again yesterday with Carl Lawson going down with a torn Achilles, and it couldn't have just been like an ACL. You know, if this was somebody else, I feel like it's an ACL, but Mike's team, automatic Achilles, probably the worst. <laughs> Worst injury possible for an explosive um, edge rusher. So, sorry about that, Mike. 
HFF of Vegas has Mike at a five and a half over under, and he is plus 1,200 to win the title. Um, he has Russell Wilson, an incredibly high floor. Um, Big Ben, yeah, not. I mean, he's a backup. That's really all he'll be if you know Russ somehow gets hurt or bye weeks, whatever. There, I, I if you're relying on Ben at this point in his career, I think you're in trouble. Obviously, I said I'm a big fan of Antonio Gibson. Got a lot of regret there. I don't, but I don't know if any of James Robinson, Gus Edwards, or James Conner are able to push for top 30 numbers this year. That uh, that running grab back group beside Gibson is is pretty pretty poor. The wide receiver, he's got Amari, he's got Robert Woods, he's got um, Scary Terry. This may be the best wide receiver trio Mike's ever had. Um, obviously, that's probably tough to say just on overall points. I mean, Michael Thomas had like a 350-point year or some kind of crap like that, so it, it'll be tough, but this is a very solid, very, very good trio there. Um, but after them, as far as putting someone in that flex spot, because I don't think he has that running back, um, unless James Conner can stay healthy and, you know, just flat out outbeat, beat out Chase Edmonds. Um, I, I think his flex guy comes from this wide receiver group. You know, so is it Cole Beasley? Is it Jacoby Myers? You know, they have a nice floor with our half PPR, but um, there's really much, not much there. I'm not really sure why Chris Conley or Josh Reynolds are even on a roster. Um, at tight end, though, like I've been telling you guys in the last pod, I, you know, I know everybody hates Zach Ertz right now, but to me, he's a top 10 lock if he's healthy. Um, if he's playing all, all uh, 17 now, if he's playing all 17, you know, he's going to have 750, 800 yards and six touchdowns. That's just what he's done his entire career. So I don't know why it would change now. Um, I think everybody's just kind of burnt out on that situation. And as with all things, you know, you're hoping for the new hotness there with Dallas Goddard, and it just hasn't happened yet. Um, I know Mike is high on Tyler Higbee. Um, I'm really not, but I do think he's a top 15 tight end this year with Matt Stafford. Um, at the end... He's got Yannick Ngakwe, he's got Aquara, and he's got Hassan Reddick. They could all be top 30 options, but I don't think any of them are top 10 coming into this year. Linebacker, to me, his only top 20 linebacker is Miles Jack. You know, again, we're talking about the Green Bay thing. I have no idea if Christian Kirksey is even roster worthy. If he's the starter and then the three down guy, absolutely. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be Barnes because it was Barnes last year. Who knows? And then uh, which player, which version of Eric Wilson do we get? Do we get the scrub he was in the first three years, or does he get the stud from last year? Um, he got, uh, what, 2.75 for one year from the Eagles. I mean, it doesn't mean that he's viewed as elite, but that's not, you know, it's not bench money. You know, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to rise up in that, that linebacker group there. At DB, uh, Chuck Clark broke out last year, finished as a DB10. I don't think he'll reach those heights again, but he definitely has the upside for it. Um, I know Rayshon Jenkins got four years, $35 million, made him the 18th highest paid safety in the entire league, but he was still DB38 in fantasy football last year, and that was by far the best uh, best season of his career statistically. So not a big fan of anybody left. Eric Rowe, Ashton Davis, very ho-hum. I think uh, Mike will be cutting these guys to stream you know, as we go, especially now that Eric Rowe's playing more hybrid, um, hybrid corner safety than really anything. All right, moving on to the number 11 team, we have Corey. Um, I'm pretty high for Corey. I was actually surprised I had Corey lower um, in my my thoughts before I created the model here. So um, HFFL Vegas has Corey at five and a half wins with a plus two or plus twelve hundred chance to win the to HFFL ship. Uh, QB, he's got Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's a very solid dynasty asset. I don't really know what to make of him this year, though. Um, I don't think he's going to be very mobile. Obviously, with that knee, I think he'll stick in the pocket a little bit more. 
and I think his QB 13 ADP is just way too high. Um, at running back, he spent a lot of his uh, draft capital this offseason trying to shore up that running back. He adds Travis Etienne, Javante Williams. I think those guys both take their jobs over by mid-year. He's also got Ronald Jones, a very solid running back, but he's in a crowded backfield. I'm not sure if Bruce Arians even knows you know, how that backfield is going to play out. Hell, he was just talking up Geo yesterday, so who knows? Um, Debian Harris, he may be the uh, lead running back there in New England now. It's Obviously, it's going to be a committee. Um, it seems like he's only going to get the early down work as well. So it's just, you know, with probably Cam starting first half of the year, I would guess. <clears throat> it's not exactly an ideal fantasy situation there. Uh, wide receiver, I, I have just fallen in love with CeeDee Lamb. Um, I should have shifted him over Jerry Judy um, after Dallas took him in the draft there. But I just I love Jerry Judy and, and didn't make that move. Uh, looking back, it's probably a mistake. Um, I had my chance to get him from, from Corey. Uh, I Corey offered me a CD for DJ Moore and Devin White. I passed on it. I tried to, you know, turn it and twist it a little bit and make it happen, but um, I do kind of regret that. There's a lot of value to give up, but I just think CD is going to be so good. <clears throat> like I said, I do think he's a, I think he's a top 15 guy this year. Um, I think he's a top 10 easily wide receiver in Dynasty going forward. And I love the, the youth of the rest of his core. Um, Brandon Ayuk is very, very solid. Michael Pittman has some 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 pretty good upside there with Carson Wentz, um, but he does have a low floor. And who knows what you get out of Brian Edwards and Daryl Mooney. <clears throat> I know there's some dynasy hype for Mooney. Uh, we'll see if it translates into 2021 production or not. And at tight end, you know, it's it's the Kyle Pitts show now, but what do we really get from a rookie tight end? Um, he's currently ECR tight end six, which means he roughly needs 700 yards and seven touchdowns to make that happen. Um, I think that's a lot to ask for a rookie, <clears throat> but it is possible, especially with Julio gone. There's a lot of targets, a lot of yardage available in that offense. Blake Jarwin and Gerald Everett, they have upside, but they're definitely dart throws, um, and I'm not a fan of rostering more than two tight ends. I think that is a waste. So if it were me, I would be cutting one of those guys and spending that position somewhere else, or that yeah, that roster spot somewhere else. Um, DL, he's got a nice, nice little unit here um, with Sweat and Leonard Williams. Um, Montez Sweat there, so he's got some a couple top 15 options. Linebacker adding Michael Parsons, you know, I was kind of torn on him. I didn't know what his role would be, but after watching him in the preseason, I mean, he is just a ball hawk. You almost forget how much he can do on the field. Um, we haven't seen him, obviously. We didn't see him at Penn State last year, so man, he's he is exciting to watch. I mean, obviously, the hard knocks bump there is uh, is interesting, getting just that much screen time. Uh, Jordan Brooks definitely has some upside, um, but I don't think anybody else really on his linebacker core has any guaranteed 2021 upside, which obviously is a problem for a team trying to climb out of the cellar. At DB, he's got Jonathan Abram and Adrian Amos. They both have top 25 upside. Um, I told you guys how much I like Richie Grant, um, but this is a Dean, F Dean Pease defense now, you know, so I'm not really sure how uber-friendly it'll be you know, compared to especially Dan Quinn's um, strong safety spot in the past. So... But he, he's a young player that I really like. Um, it's just his 2021 upside. Nobody really knows. All right, so we're going to move on to Tier 2. So this is so you're, you're telling me there's a chance, all right? So the teams in this tier have a shot to make the playoffs, but they all need work. They all are going to need some luck. Um, they're going to have to make this happen to get there. So number 10, I have Corey Hagerman. <clears throat> uh, his HFFL Vegas odds, or his over-under, excuse me, is 6.5 wins. And his odds, Vegas odds to win the title are plus 1,000. At quarterback, Kyler is one of the best quarterbacks in fantasy football. He has very nice long-term upside, um, obviously. And then 
everybody pretty much expects him to go off this year. Uh, Zach Wilson has some nice upside long-term. Obviously, the Jets are scary there. Does Jameis even start? You know, who does he throw the ball to if he does start? You know, I don't really know what to do with Jameis Winston right now. Uh, at running back, Nick Chubb, <clears throat> obviously in a fantastic lead back. Um, probably a top 10 lock this year, assuming health. Um, DeAndre Swift's had a lot of questions pop up the last couple weeks, but I do think he's still a solid option. Um, I just don't know if he is going to break out like a lot of people were predicting early this offseason. Uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, solid duo. They do siphon each other, though. Um, if, when, let's be real, it's the NFL. When one of them gets hurt, the other one will definitely have some flex value for him. At wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, awesome. You need to trade him to me. Come on, Scott. Or Scott. Come on, Corey. Oh, Freudian slip. That was cool. I didn't mean to do it. Um, Sammy Watkins, Corey Davis, they have top 50 upside, but I just, that's it. You know, that's, that's tough as your wide receiver two and your wide receiver three. Um, you're, you're probably flexing one of those guys as well. So that's, that's a tough look um, and the, at those positions. And I don't expect any consistent production from his young wide receivers. Evan Ingram has not lived up to his billing since his rookie year at tight end there. Um, he had 650, 650 yards last year, but only one tight end. And he is in the last year of his rookie deal. I really don't know what happens, but I don't expect much improvement. Um, I think the Giants offense will be very stagnant with Danny Dimes. Um, I'm just not sure he's the guy long term. So um, I really don't want much part of their offense at all. At D-line, he's got DeForest Buckner and Cam Jordan, both top 12 options. Um, Melvin Ingram has some fun upside in Pittsburgh, especially you know being on that D-line, but opposite T.J. Watt. That should be, uh, should be interesting for him. He should get a lot of value, like he did early in his career with Joey Bosa there. Or not early, but later in his career with Joey Bosa. <clears throat> at linebacker, Roquan is a stud. Um, Isaiah Simmons should be a three-down guy this year. Um, I think he'll be around that top 30 linebacker area. Can Willie Gay get the three-down roll? He is wearing the green dot. He's calling the plays, so that's good. Um, but the rest of his three, rest of his linebackers are 34 outside backers, and I've said this for years, just not a fan. I don't think they should even be rostered. At defensive back, he has Justin Reed and Xavier McKinney. They're both solid top 30 options. Um, Trayvon Morig is kind of a wild card this year. Teron Johnson was good as a fantasy football corner last year. <clears throat> Again, the downside of those guys is year over year, they don't seem to have a ton of consistency. Uh, Terrell Edmonds has proven to be one of the least fantasy football-friendly strong safeties. Um, I had him in Waffle, traded for him right before his rookie season even started. I had very high hopes. Um, that was pre-Devin Bush, obviously. Um, but he plays a lot of snaps. He just does not get much production, um, whether that be tackles or plays on the football. So um, just a low upside guy there. All right, number nine, we have Julian, Coach Belichick. My um, Waffle Vegas here has Julian at over under six and a half wins, <clears throat> and his Vegas odds to win the title are plus 950. At quarterback, he's got Kirk and Cam. That's one of the worst <laughs> duos in the entire league. Um, but he does have Justin Fields ready, waiting to go. Um, as soon as Justin Fields is a starter in the NFL for the Bears, he will absolutely be a starter for Julian, and his quarterback unit will go from probably down with Jeff as one of the worst in the league to you know, middle of the pack or higher. Um, Justin Fields is going to be an absolute monster, um, I believe anyway. <clears throat> At running back, he's got Derrick Henry. Um, can he make it three straight rushing crowns? I think that would be just incredible. Um, I've been on record saying I just, I feel like this is a year where he gets nicked up or, you know, I don't, I don't want to wish that. It's just, it just kind of three years in a row. I just would be incredible with that workload. <clears throat> um, Josh Jacobs, still rock solid, top 15 running back, despite the offseason hate he's been getting. 
Um, I've been on record saying, you know, I don't think Michael Carter has a ton of value this year. He is definitely a wild card. Um, I know that I'm in the minority on that, but it's just, again, the Jets, they're just so scary. You know, you have a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, <clears throat> new offense. It's just so much to learn and so much to do. Um, I just don't know how much value he'll get from him. Obviously, with any rookie running back, that second half of the year is really where they start to kick in. So hopefully for Julian's sake, you know, he is at least a flex-worthy option uh, second half of the year for him there. Wide receiver, he's got Mike Evans. Mike Evans, obviously, the linchpin here. <clears throat> Seven straight 1,000-yard seasons. I'm a big Jerry Judy fan. He has so much untapped potential. Um, come on, Teddy, get that job. Uh, Mike Williams, you guys remember I drafted Mike Williams years ago. Ended up trading him, but, you know, that's just how it goes. Um, Mike Williams, though, in year two with Justin Herbert is intriguing. He has had... A season with a thousand yards <clears throat> he has had a, another season with 10 touchdowns he has struggled to kind of put it all together but he definitely has very intriguing upside but a very low floor and then ty solid flex option there with carson wentz uh, at tight end i really think johnny has more upside than he's been given credit for i mean bill belichick was praising johnny when he was on the titans uh, before their playoff game and then he goes out and gives him a massive contract i know i know they brought in hunter henry as well but Janu has definite upside. I, mean, I think he's got top 10 upside. He's ECR 14 among tight ends right now. Um, I expect his floor to be 550 yards and six touchdowns. I think he gets that pretty easily um, with a nice ceiling. I don't even really know, probably 750 and eight. You know, So he's got that top five ceiling. Um, so we'll see if he's able to make that happen or not. Supposedly, Austin Hooper will be more involved. I think he's just a very meh player. He was just propped up by uh, Matt Ryan a few years ago. Ended up turning that into a nice contract, so good for him. D-line, <clears throat> Ryan Burns is an absolute stud. Um, I have been sending Julian offers. Obviously, me saying this out loud probably means that I'll never have a chance for him, but I think this guy, he I was skeptical of him coming out of Florida State. I thought he was a little small. You know, those smaller guys tend to struggle. They were kind of ambiguous. Are they 3-4, 4-3? You know, now they're very clearly running a 4-3. Well, really more of a nickel of 4-2, but um, Brian Burns is a stud. I mean, he's 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 going to blow up. He's going to absolutely blow up. So, Julian, come off him. Let's go. Uh, Max Max Crosby, Randy Gregory, massive question marks. You don't really know what you're getting at all. Obviously, Crosby had a big rookie year. He's kind of stepped back last year. They've added a ton of players in, in Vegas there, so I don't really know what happens with Crosby. And then Randy Gregory, <clears throat> he's a walking question mark, has been since you know his rookie season, so... At linebacker, he's got Kenneth Murray, or K-9, as Kellen likes to say. Um, and then he's got Zayvon Collins. Both of those guys are likely top 25 guys, young guys with um, upside for more. Obviously, in that same role that Zayvon Collins has now, Jordan Hicks was the linebacker one two years ago. Um, how Jordan Hicks just gets put on the bench with no chance of even competing for a starting job, I don't understand. Um, I think that's that's bad coaching, in my opinion. Why even... Why even set position battles if, if some rookie automatically gets this job? Like, I, I don't know. I, to me, you take the, the Seahawks approach, and the best player wins. You know, whether that player is your first-round running back, uh, Rashad Penny, or it's your seventh-round running back, Chris Carson, you know, or, you know, was it Matt Flynn and Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson was a rookie? You know, just because you have an investment into a player doesn't mean he's the best player. You know, you can be wrong in your evaluation. So just very surprising but then again, you know, Arizona hasn't been a good franchise, you know, over any type of long-term success. So maybe this is just bad franchises doing bad franchise things. Uh, Danny Trevathan looks to have lost his job to Alec Ogletree. Uh, we'll see if that actually holds up through the preseason. But, you know, if he does, obviously he shouldn't even be on a roster here. 
And uh, I think it's time to call it. I think Rashawn Evans, uh, relative to what his expectations were, I think he's a bust. He was the linebacker 34 and the linebacker 42 in points per game the last two years. That is not at all what you expect out of a first-round linebacker, especially out of Alabama. Um, just he's, he's not what we thought he was. Um, Jayon Brown, again, doesn't have the pedigree, but he was the better player and has been the better player, and he frankly you know, has outplayed Rashawn Evans. Drake Greenlaw, very solid. Um, nothing really spectacular there, but he's not going to hurt you. At DB, Antoine Winfield leads this unit. Um, he's got a lot of bodies, very deep, uh, but there are no uber studs. You know, I think Winfield's probably in that 10 to 20 range this year, but, I mean, it's possible that he goes higher. Um, I'm just not really sure I see it. Tyron Matthew, Kari Willis, Anthony Harris, you know, they're all in that top 30, top 35. So a lot of, lot of bodies he can throw defensively here, which is a good thing, obviously, to, you know, keep the points up and, and try, to, try to win some matchups. All right, number eight. We have Whiskey Walt, or Walt Baby Love, however you want to call him, whatever he's feeling today. So last year he was uh, mostly Walt Baby Love, and it, it produced probably the best season in Walt's history. So uh, maybe we should have as much Walt Baby Love as we can get here. HFFL Vegas has Walt Baby Love's over-under at 6.5 wins, and his odds to win the title at plus 900. So under the uh, 1,000 mark there for Walt Baby Love. Very interesting. At quarterback, he's got Lamar Jackson. Obviously, Lamar had a down year last year, but I personally expect him to bounce back. Um, I don't know if he throws, you know, <laughs> leads the league in touchdowns like he did in 2019, but I certainly think he's better than he showed last year. I know he had COVID, and, you know, who really knows as far as, you know, fallout from that, how that affected him. But um, I expect uh, some kind of a, a regression, positive regression for him, you know, and I, I think he finishes definitely top four, maybe even top two, and he certainly has the, the skill still to be the number one quarterback in fantasy football. Um, cut Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. I've been saying it for years. He's awful. Just get rid of him. At running back, he's got Chris Carson, very solid running back to have. I love his floor when he's healthy. Um, obviously, the injury to Cam Akers was a huge boon for Walt, with Daryl Henderson now being that lead back for Los Angeles. And it seems like, <clears throat> I know originally there was some talk of running back by committee, but I think he gets, you know, 65% of the touches, and that's really all you can ask for. You know, that's really not running back by committee, you know, material. That's that 65-35 split with the other guys there. So, But there's just no one else there. And obviously they have said they're not going to re-sign Todd Gurley. Um, early, I, early on I kind of thought that's the way they would go. It just seems to make the most sense. But they are completely out. They are done with Todd Gurley, and it's kind of hard to argue, you know, seeing the results that we saw last year in Atlanta. He just looks, he looks cooked. Uh, Leonard Fournette, he's likely the lead running back in Tampa, but, you know, like I said, um, he's got to stay out of the doghouse. Uh, Bruce Arians was praising Geo yesterday. He's been praying, he, praising Keyshawn Vaughn, which, shocking, you know, who knows? Keyshawn Vaughn's a scrub. He's wasting a spot on my taxi squad. I could at least have somebody worth a crap there. But, you know, I got an investment, and I got to uh, stick with it here and see what happens and cut him next year and just waste a roster spot and sunk cost on myself. But, you know, do what you can. Now, supposedly, Philip Lindsay is the lead running back in Houston. Now, I know that that's a horrific offense and probably doesn't really matter, but, you know, touches touches equal points. Whether they're good good teams, bad teams, whatever, he's still going to get touches there, apparently. Um, and like I told you guys earlier, I'm, I'm a big fan of Trey Sermon. He is a wild card. If Raheem Mostert gets hurt or if he's ineffective, I think he has a shot at a top 15 second half of this season. Big fan. Um, like, who was it? Uh, Matt Waldman. Huge fan of Trey Sermon, like I told you guys. 
Um, had I listened to Matt Waldman, I'd be had taken uh, Nick Chubb over carry on as a rookie, but I didn't. So that's on me. But uh, I'm trying not to make the mistake again here. Um, I think Trey Sermon has a lot of upside. Michael Thomas being out for eight weeks at wide receiver is just crushing uh, for Walt's playoffs chances here. I don't I don't know. I think I have him eight. I don't know how much higher he would be if he had a healthy Michael Thomas coming into the season. And then obviously we he's going to be on the PUP, so he's out six weeks. So week seven he comes back. Is he even ready though? You know, when you put somebody on the pup list that early in camp, you you don't really know. You're you're just guessing. So I don't know. I don't know what to think of Mike Thomas. I don't know if he comes back week seven, 100% healthy, ready to go. You know, and I think if that if they thought that were a possibility, then they would just you know put him on the injured reserve because now you can do that for three weeks and just just see what happens. But obviously they think he's out. You know, so I'm, I think he's probably missing more likely eight to ten weeks instead of that six to seven games that they talked about originally. So that uh, that'll be tough. If Mike, if Walt's able to hold hold out and keep himself in the running until Michael Thomas comes back healthy, actually healthy, then that'll be huge for Walt um, entering that playoff race. Uh, Robbie Anderson, <clears throat> so much better than I thought he would be last year. Um, I don't know if he can keep it up. He did just get hurt at practice the other day. I don't think it was a long-term thing, but um, wow, his numbers were, were very good. Um, he had a couple good runs early in his career with Sam Darnold, so it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that keep that going or if, you know, if he regresses to his last year with Sam Darnold type numbers, so I don't know. Um, LaVisca Chenault has solid upside with Trevor Lawrence. He is definitely in that slot slash gadget role still, um, but he's huge and he should be fun. Very Cordero Patterson-like, um, and I was a huge fan of Cordero Patterson coming out as a rookie. So I think it'll be interesting to see <clears throat> what he does long term. Devontae Smith, St. Brown, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, very fun dynasty assets, but I really don't know what they give you in 2021. And without Mike Thomas, this is a very, very weak unit. Uh, so he's he's got to either hope he can just stay afloat until Mike Thomas is back, or he may have to make a move here. <clears throat> At tight end, Gronk, not what he used to be. Um, I'm a big fan of Cole Komet long-term, but not this year at all. Um, and Ferkser really shouldn't be on a roster. Uh, this is a pretty bad tight end unit. Might be, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it, this is the worst tight end unit in the league. Um, that crown was for Jeff last year. Jeff was able to find a little diamond in the rough um, to bring himself out of that cellar, but this is a this is a bad unit. D-line, <clears throat> Sam Hubbard, Brandon Graham, both of them have top 25 upside. Blake Martinez is an absolute stud. Um, Logan Wilson, Micah Kaiser, they're very similar players. Um, neither of them played well last year at all, uh, but they both have a shot at three-down roll this year. Um, coming out of camp and early in preseason, Logan Wilson does have the green dot. He is calling the plays, and Micah Kaiser does not. It's actually Jordan Fuller, a safety uh, for the Rams there, that's doing that. So that is not a great sign for Micah Kaiser. Uh, so it would be uh, interesting to see if he's able to get that uh, that responsibility back or if he's just you know not going to be on the field enough to be worthy of the, the green dot. You know, you can't have the guy calling the plays on the field for 65-70% of the snaps. So um, not a great start there for Micah Kaiser. Josie Jewell, um, he did play 93% of the snaps last year, but he'll probably be phased out. They did take Baron Browning in the third, so uh, I would expect by the end of the year, Josie Jewell is a part-time player. Um, and then Walt cut Alex Singleton. I kind of alluded to it earlier. He is projected to be the three-down linebacker in Philly right now and projected to be a top 30 option. So uh, that's kind of a tough, tough look for somebody who's trying to tread water until Michael Thomas is ready. So I'm not really sure what Walt read there or what his thought was, but 
cutting him was was a tough move there for Walt. Uh, DB Von Bell was a stud. He was able to beat out Sean Williams last year, take that job from him, and you know, stay the fantasy football stud that he's been. Eddie Jackson's been solid for years, um, but that's really it as far as 2021 help goes with his starting lineup. Um, he's definitely got to hit the waiver wire at, at probably at both linebacker and DB. All right, on to the number seven team, the first man out of the playoffs. We have, drum roll, Rich. Sorry, Rich. Um, we have Rich. The model has him as the first man out. HFFL Vegas has Rich as a 7.5 over under with his win total and at plus 750 to win the HFFL ship. Um, at QB, he's got Matt Ryan, Steady Eddie. Uh, but obviously, he made the big move this year to go up and get Trevor. Um, having Trevor Lawrence, I don't know if he starts early in the year for Rich. You know, I don't really know what to expect fantasy-wise early on. Um, but obviously, Trevor is the long-term option there. He gives Rich a difference maker at quarterback. And I think by the end of this season, I would say probably the midway point, I think that he takes that job from Matt Ryan and, and probably never looks back. Um, he has a rushing floor that Matt Ryan could never even think of having. So a uh, big, big, big addition there for Rich. And if he is truly right in this running, you know, especially coming into that last week where, you know, the model has him here as the number seven, let's call it the seven seed, you know, he has a shot. He plays... Let me think here. One plays two, three plays four, four plays or five. Yeah, one plays two, three plays four, five plays six, seven plays eight. So, you know, five or six is going to lose. So if he wins his matchup, he's got a shot to get in there. Assuming you know he's he's close um, in in the running coming into that game. So, should be very interesting. Um, obviously, he has Zeke. Um, he was able to buy low on Zeke last year. I think Zeke will return to a high end asset. He's also getting that hard knocks bump right now. Um, everybody is back in on Zeke as far as fantasy pundits go, and, and rightfully so. Um, with Dak Prescott last year, he was a top five running back, or top three, actually, running back. Um, and then when Z when Dak went down, obviously things went downhill quickly, and, and the O-line fell apart, and uh, the whole season fell apart for the Cowboys last year. So it wasn't just Zeke. Um, I don't think he's cooked, <clears throat> so he'll definitely be the leader in the clubhouse there for Rich. Uh, Melvin Gordon... Obviously, the Broncos taking Javante Williams is tough for his value. Um, Kareem Hunt, Kareem, Kareem, as Walt would say. Kareem Hunt, he's very limited by Nick Chubb being there. If Nick Chubb gets hurt, obviously he has not probably running back one, that top 10, top 12 upside. Um, but without it, he's probably in the 20 to 30 range again. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Latavius Murray. He's rumored to be a potential cap casualty or just a camp cut. So I don't, I don't really know if that's true, but we'll see here in the next couple weeks. And then Damian Williams is back. Um, he's with the Bears now, so I don't know. He's a, he's a total wild card. You know, he only really had one good year there in, in Kansas City, and everybody was really high on him for a minute. Then he opted out last year for COVID, and, you know, who knows? Who knows what, what's coming back here? At wide receiver, his top guy is Tyler Lockett. He is very inconsistent, but he is a very good wide receiver. Um, he does have a very solid, very consistent guy in Jarvis Landry. Uh, he just has a lower ceiling. DJ Chark showed... Really good upside in 2019, but then he struggled last year a little bit. Um, maybe having Trevor Lawrence brings him back into relevance, but I don't I don't know what to expect from him. I don't know if he is that 2019 guy who has that just crazy explosive upside and Trevor Lawrence can unlock that, or if he is you know more like the 3-for-50 guy that he really was most of last year. So uh, the rest of his unit here, filled with total dart throws, um, not really much of any value. So I don't know. I, I expect him to probably be flexing 
Melvin Gordon as his his third running back. You know, so it's probably starting Jarvis and Tyler Lockett there at, at wide receiver. Um, at tight end, obviously he's got Darren Waller. Darren Waller has been an absolute target monster ever since getting to Vegas. Um, I don't think it would surprise anybody if he outscored uh, George Kittle this year. You know, and finished as the tight end too. I do think some people, myself included, would be surprised if he overtook Kelsey. Um, but you know, health permitted, I think he's pretty locked in because um, he's going to see so many targets. At D-line, I don't think... Oh, oh, let me back up. Um, I had no top 25 lock here in my notes, but he did just make a trade. Um, he traded for Chris Jones. Chris Jones, to me, is a top 25 lock. He's probably a top 20 lock. Um, so he does boost his his ability there at D-line, but he still has a lot of work to do. Um, other than Chris Jones, Emmanuel Ogba could be his only player with top 50 numbers this year. So that's a unit that needs help. At linebacker, um, I don't believe there's a top 25 linebacker on his roster right now, which is crazy to say uh, because coming into last year, Rich was generally thought of as one of the best, if not the best, linebacker crew in the entire HFFL. Uh, Corey Littleton absolutely bombed last year, and everybody else, you know, he traded Wagner and the other players on his team. He's just, everybody has kind of had a rough go here. So uh, this is one of the best, league's best DB units, though with Landon Collins and Harrison Smith, both being top 12 type of guys there. Um, Jordan Fuller with that green dot, like we talked about. And then, you know, John Johnson leaving, like we talked about earlier with Taylor Rapp, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of points to go around and, and very leaky linebackers for the Rams. So a uh, lot of ability, a lot of, a lot of points to collect there. Cam Curl. I had really no clue about Cam Curl until coming into uh, doing these notes. I mean, he was a top 25 option last year and, it was very good. Obviously, massive upgrade with getting Jamin Davis there for Washington. I don't know if he's able to get those numbers, you know, up next to Landon Collins again, but I was I was surprised. So interesting to see what happens with Cameron Curl here. All right, on to the very first playoff team. I want to remind you guys, the number six team has had a lot of success in the HFFL playoffs, right? You have to just get into the playoffs. In 2016, or excuse me, 2009, Kobe makes the playoffs as the sixth seed, makes it all the way to the ship. Yes, he lost to Mike Cobb, but he made it to the ship. Greg wins the title as the sixth seed in 2012. Mike Hill makes it to the title, loses to Kobe in 2014 as the sixth seed. Wedge wins it as the sixth seed in 2015. I made it and lost to Randy in 2016. Getting into the playoffs is number one priority. Everyone, if you are close, you should be pushing, pushing, pushing to get in especially this year with that pot going up, moving to a $25 ahead league here. This, all you got to do is get in. I understand that right now everybody's like, oh, Scott is so good. He is unbeatable. We have seen this before. Randy had an absolute dominant dynasty. Matt had an absolute dominant dynasty. They did not win every year. Ryan had a dominant dynasty. They don't win every year. There are years, like just two years ago, Scott was the highest scoring team, and he didn't win the title. So get to the playoffs, get into the playoffs, Crazy things happen. It happens. As it, I mean, I just picked out multiple examples of only the six seed. Didn't even talk about the five or the four or the three. I mean, all you got to do is get there. All right, so number six this year, I have Kellen. This kind of surprised me. We've been kind of knocking Kellen a little bit <clears throat> with the moves he's made and then obviously losing Cam Akers uh, did not help his case. But he is the number six team in my, my uh, little metric here, my little spreadsheet here. So should be interesting to see with uh, what, what he's able to put out with what the model has. HFFL Vegas over under, 7.5 wins for Kellen, um, plus 700 odds to win the title. 
Uh, he has Dak. Dak is back. I am slightly hesitant with Zach, Dak because I don't know if he'll run as much as he did before. I know this wasn't like an ACL or a patella or anything like that. Um, but anytime you you know, you know get injured running, I, I, have, I have to believe you're going to be hesitant to do it again or maybe even go down a little easier than you did in the past just to protect yourself. Um, nobody wants to sit around for eight months and, and be injured and not being able to play football. <clears throat> so I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get that 304 that he's really become accustomed to, you know, as a rushing quarterback. But I do think he's still going to be among the league leaders in passing attempts. I think they have an incredible, incredible wide receiver core. Their offensive line is healthy right now. Zeke is healthy. I think he's going to be big. And then as far as his backup, Stafford, um, I think Stafford's going to blow up. I've been saying this, and I have a unit on him to win MVP just because the odds are incredible. Um, I expect a top, top 10 fantasy season out of him. I think he's the best backup in the HFFL. There should be teams absolutely knocking on Kellen's door, uh, teams like Jeff, to get a quarterback that can be an absolute difference maker for their team. Uh, so <clears throat> I'm a big fan. Love Matt Stafford. I'm going to miss you, buddy. All right, at running back, Najee Harris going to get a massive workload. Obviously, these first two preseason games, things haven't looked great. <clears throat> that O-line is rough, but anytime you're getting that probably close to 300-touch workload, assuming he's able to stay healthy, I mean, he's going to be – a top 20 lock for sure, and you know, and depending on his up, his touchdowns and receptions, it'll depend on how high he can get there. Uh, for Mike Davis, <clears throat> Mike Davis, I mean, he could be solid with this workload, or, or he could have the rug pulled out from him like Miles Gaskin and David Johnson have had the last two weeks. So I don't know if he is going to have value by midseason or if he's going to be nothing. Um, and then he has Javion Hawkins. He's 183 pounds. Like, what are we really expecting out of Javion Hawkins? And he's undrafted, so... But that's it. Those are his three running backs. Now, obviously, I know with our flex position, you only have to start one running back. Um, and obviously, Najee is that guy. But, you know, you got to have more than three guys rostered. I mean, there's not even a chance really at a dart throw hitting like a James Robinson last year or like, you know, every year seems to happen. Philip Lindsay, Arian Foster. I mean, these guys come out of nowhere. You have to have but you have to have those lottery tickets on your roster to even have a chance here. At wide receiver, um, I had no idea that Chase Claypool was the wide receiver 20 last year and that he scored 197 points. Um, what a quiet breakout. I, I know he got hot there for a minute, but finishing as the wide receiver 20, I had no clue. Um, obviously, Kellen likes Cooper Cup. I don't think we really need to say more than that. Will Fuller only misses one game, but everybody is writing him off like he's got the plague here. Um, it's one game. Will Fuller has been very good when he's healthy in his career, and I think he'll be good again this year on a, on a nice team there in Miami. Cortland Sutton was a dynasty darling coming into last season. You know, he gets hurt, he hurts his knee, and now he's just being kind of left for dead by a lot of people. I mean, he is wide receiver 30 in, in the wide receiver 40 even on some people's rankings. And to me, that's crazy. I mean, coming into last year, he was a top 15 dynasty guy and everybody expected top 20 numbers out of him no problem last year. But I, I don't know. I'm a big fan. Hopefully Kellen's down on him and... I can make a couple offers here. Jamar Chase, he could very well break out as a rookie. Uh, no, the camp reports haven't been that nice, but they're just that. They're just camp reports. Uh, I think he'll be targeted a lot. Joe Burrow is obviously comfortable with him, so why wouldn't he target him? And I, I like this unit as a whole much better than I thought I would. Um, I don't see like an uber elite guy this year, but I think he's got five guys and all 30 of them are all 30. All five of them could be top 30, and I don't think anybody would even bat an eye. I do think, though, at tight end, and TJ Hawkinson's going to blow up. Obviously, I'm a homer, um, but I think he's he's a tight, he's an 800-yard tight end this year, and I think he can push that top three group, that Kelsey Waller-Kittle uh, group. So 
it'll be about touchdowns as it is with every tight end. Um, but the, I think the yardage and the receptions will absolutely be there for Hawk. Um, he's going to be just targeted relentlessly because we have nothing. At the line, we have Aaron Donald and question marks. That's what I have. So, uh, you know, if Kellen is legitimately going to try for the sixth seed, maybe adding, you know, some guys on the waiver wire would be a smart move there. Um, at linebacker, he's got Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham is a tackle machine. Uh, he's got those three, four outside linebackers and TJ Watt and Khalil Mack. You know, I've only, he likes to start those guys and play that little Russian roulette of do they get a sack and make them worth my while. Um, I don't think he gets much value in 2021 out of Jabril Cox. Um, he might get some out of Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, but as far as today goes, it doesn't look great for him for 2021 upside. At DB, he's got Logan Ryan playing that hybrid cornerback safety role. Um, he finished as top 25 again last year. He was elite the year before, so should be interesting to see how he does. Adrian Phillips, solid top 40 guy, nothing sexy or anything, but very solid. And then Grant Delpit, he's the wild card of this group. Uh, he could be an absolute stud. At, I don't, after his sophomore year at LSU, I mean, everybody, everybody that I know thought he was going to be great. Um, then he has kind of a disappointing junior year. He gets hurt before his first game of his rookie season. And who knows? Now we're kind of left in a little ambiguous spot here. But I think Grant Delpit has a ton of talent. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him in Cleveland. And then, what are you doing? Cut DJ Reed. What are we doing here? Come on. Come on, Callan. There's much better uses of a roster spot. Maybe add some dart throw running back. All right, so that ends that tier. That ends that tier two for me. We're on to tier three. This is the playoff or bust tier. The teams in this tier are the favorites of my model to make the playoffs. Um, they definitely a tier break as far as the model is concerned. That is why I broke the tier inside that top six instead of at number six like I have in years past. Um, for these teams, it'd be a massive disappointment if they didn't make the playoffs. At number five, <clears throat> we have the Caveman. Oh, and he is going to be pissed to be number five, but the model wants what the model wants. HFFL Vegas has his over-under win total at nine and a half games. Remember, we're playing 14 this year. And it has him as a plus 500 to win the HFFL title. At quarterback, he's got Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield. This is probably the lowest upside group in the HFFL. Um, Baker is QB 17 in ECR. Goff is QB 28. Again, just very, very low upside here. At running back, uh, Galvin. He's a monster. Obviously, everybody knows that. Austin Eckler has top 10 upside, maybe even top 5 upside. He has done that. I think he's number 6, actually. Um, he has shown, though, that he has that upside. <clears throat> but then after that, I don't know if anybody even has much upside. I mean, Alexander Madison was kind of a dynasty darling as a handcuff coming into last year but then when he got his opportunity he kind of sucked so um, I do think he has value if Galvin gets hurt obviously it's nice to have a premium handcuff like that um, but there isn't much to help him as far as a flex position is concerned then Devontae Adams Justin Jefferson probably the best duo in the league right now um, Tyler Boyd very good wide receiver three and then what do you get from Paris Campbell and Elijah Moore um, I don't I don't know if you ask Jeff it's almost a guarantee that Paris Campbell is going to break out this year because he just stayed, should have stayed healthy. Um, Elijah Moore, I know Jeff's very high on him. I, I, I come back to what I've said about Jets rookies all throughout this pod. Um, not sure. I'm not sure. I think the jury is out. At tight end, he's got Logan Thomas. He was somehow the tight end four last year. I don't see that repeating. I don't even know if he's in the top ten. Uh, totally different quarterback, so it should be interesting to see what he does there with this magic. At D-line, he's weak overall. Um, he's got uh, Simmons and Hayward here. Jeff Simmons, Cam Hayward, they're decent. Both of them are top 30 in that 20 to 30 range. 
Kerry uh, Hyder, kind of a wild card in Seattle. And then I don't think he's going to get much from Quiddy as a rookie. I think he'll be spending a lot of time on that taxi squad. That linebacker, very solid. Jayon Brown, Pat Queen, Jamin Davis, they all have top 20 upside. I think they're all, with health obviously, I think they're all top 25 blocks. Um, very good linebacker unit there for Jeff. That DB, Jesse Bates, is, uh, he's kind of a unicorn. And he gives you big time uh, fantasy football numbers despite playing over 70% of his snaps um, at free safety. So that's kind of rare. Um, as far as just consistently being elite in fantasy, and he has definitely done that. Mika Fitzpatrick, definite playmaker. Um, he's a boomer bust guy, but when he blows up, it is a huge boon to Jeff. Uh, Jeff takes Javon Holland as the DB1 in the class. I, I think he plays a lot, but I don't know how effective he is. And uh, Jeff wanted me to pass along to everybody that Amani Hooper, or Amani Hooker, or Hook, wow, I'm struggling. Amari Hooker is a breakout candidate. So there's that, you know, just so everybody knows. Jeff called it. All right, moving on to the number four team. We have Mr. Garten, Coach Tomlin. Why did I choose Coach Tomlin for Ryan? Um, mostly the facial expressions. I can only imagine uh, picturing Ryan just mean mugging these poor little kids, making snide comments, trying to just big time them. That's 100% Ryan. So Coach Tomlin here, number four. Um, HFFL Vegas odds for Coach Tomlin. Over under nine and a half wins. Um, the odds to win the ship, plus 450 here for the Jedi. Tom, obviously, terrific. Um, he's, he's definitely a statue, which kind of limits that upside, um, but he's been rock solid. Uh, Bruce Arians, downfield offense he showed last year. You know, he can come out and, and put up numbers in that 5 to 10 range at quarterback, and no one is surprised. Um, obviously, with Deshaun Watson, no one really knows what to expect. Um, I was pretty hardline stance that he would play this year earlier in the offseason, now that like the FBI is involved on both sides, apparently, interviewing Deshaun for potentially maybe being extorted, interviewing the women for him potentially um, bringing them from another state. Uh, I don't know if that's like a sex trafficking thing. I'm not really sure. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's getting weirder and weirder and uglier and uglier. And, and as we go, it just feels less and less like he's going to play this year. Um, I do think that he does play in the NFL again, just because we've, like I said, we've seen, you know, in the past, not saying it's right, but we have seen uh, these guys come out here, you know, commit heinous acts, and you know all is forgiven in two years. So who knows? Um, I don't. I don't know if he's going to get much out of him this year. But if he does come back, you know, obviously that's a big boost to Ryan, and and he does certainly have, you know, probably top three quarterback upside, whereas Tom probably does not have top three upside anymore. All right, CMC is a god. We all know that. Uh, he's incredible. I've talked trades with Ryan a little bit about CMC. Um, he wants, you know, an ungodly amount, and rightfully so. Um, you know, we were talking, and he wants Jonathan Taylor, Sam's first next year, and, you know, plus. Um, and that's just, obviously, that's too much. Um, there's no there's no way I can do that. But, you know, I can't blame the guy for asking. I 100% uh, respect, you know, having a guy like CMC and making sure that if you're going to trade him, you're going to get full value. And Ryan has proven time and time again, you know, with Frank Gore, with Steven Jackson, with you know, a lot of these guys that he doesn't necessarily care, you know, if they age and on his team, they age on his team, you know, so he, he's a guy who will ride, ride a player into dust. So he doesn't really care. Um, he does have Raheem Mostert. I do think Mostert's being undervalued right now. Um, obviously I'm a big fan of the Trey Sermon pick, uh, there by the Niners, but Sermon's going to have great value early in the year. And if he can stay healthy, I think he has value all year long, especially when uh, Trey Lance gets in and that offense really kind of dials things back and really put some trust in their running game so um, other than that though he has nothing this is a 
pretty barren group there after Mostert. At wide receiver, he's got a stud, another pillar here. He's got Nuke Hopkins. Um, Adam Thielen is solid, but like I said before, I think he's pretty overrated. Um, I do think he'll be in the top 25, but there's no chance he scores 14 touchdowns again or anything like that. So, um, But other than that, you know, again, kind of like running back, what do you really get uh, from any of these other players? He's got Nelson Aguilar, kind of a low-ceiling guy. I suppose he's a high floor, like a poor man's Jarvis Landry. Um, but he's on another new team, and you know who really knows what's happening at quarterback for the Patriots, so I'm not a big Aguilar guy. And then Brashad Perriman, sure he's got opportunity, but we don't even know if he's any good. And then after, you know, after uh, reading this morning some stuff, Brashad's been running with the second team apparently, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's getting anything <clears throat> out of Perriman this year. Uh, Mike Gesicki definitely has top five upside uh, for me. I, I'm kind of surprised that more people in like that you know fantasy football podcast community i know a lot of us listen to a lot of different podcasts i'm surprised that he hasn't gotten more hype this year i mean he was the number four tight end in yards last year tied for ninth in touchdowns um he has he has upside he has potential to break out him and Tua were really on the same page last year i i think he's got you know i think he's got a lot to, to look forward here and i believe yes he is in a contract here so i think he's yeah yeah he's year four so you know big things from gasecki kind of what i expect this year uh, Dalton Schultz, go ahead and cut him. I mean, he's the tight end 36 in ECR. He has no business being on a roster. I, I, he's got to go. At DL, he's got Nick Bosa. <clears throat> he's got Quinnen Williams. He's got Trey Hendrickson. You know, those two are, are probably top 20, top 25 kind of guys. Um, obviously, Bosa is an absolute stud. He is coming off a knee injury, but I do think he will bounce back just fine. Uh, Bobby Swagner, absolute monster. Um, but I do have some questions with the Schobert, Devin Bush. Um, the trade for Schobert uh, going from Jacksonville to the Pittsburgh kind of talked about it a little bit with Kellen and Brendan um, are they are Schobert and Devin going to siphon each other um, right now <laughs> Schobert's already going to be given the green dot which is kind of crazy to me um, Devin Bush doesn't have it so it's just it's just weird you know interesting timing Devin Bush's fifth year option is due next spring so you know does uh, does Pittsburgh you know and Pittsburgh traded a ton to move up <clears throat> to get Devin Bush um, do they really not pick up that option with their investment? But who knows? But outside of these three guys, uh, not much else at linebacker for Ryan. And then DB, this is one of his stronger groups on his whole team. Uh, Jamal Adams, just recent, fresh off a brand new contract, and Jordan Poyer. <clears throat> that to me, like I said last year, I stand by it this year, that's the best duo in the league. Um, they're both top four guys. <clears throat> he doesn't have the best depth by any means, um, and it's probably not the best overall unit just because of not having that depth. But those two are incredible. All right, on to tier four. This is the we ain't come here to play school tier. Thank you, Cardale Jones. Um, I feel like the people in this tier, uh, they're, they're just short of or potentially getting to that bye week. Uh, number three here, I have Brendan. The HFFL Vegas odds for Brendan are over under nine and a half wins. And the Vegas odds to win the title, we have plus 400. Um, Josh Ann, Josh Big Hand Allens, he uh, has a huge rushing floor, as we all know. Um, last year, apparently now, he can throw the ball, too. I believe that the Bills led the league in pass attempts, and Josh Allen looked great. Um, he just got another huge contract, kind of like we talked about earlier. So I, I expect big things. Josh Allen's going to stay hot, and at this moment in time, Brendan looks like he was 100% correct to trade high on Lamar and roll with Josh Allen. At running back, he's got my boy Clyde, J.K. Dobbins, and David Montgomery. What a, it's a very, very solid trio. All of them have top 10 plus upside. 
Um, and to me, they all have a top 20 floor. So this is a, a really, really nice unit here. One of these guys will probably be flexed, assuming they're all healthy. One of these guys will be flexed pretty much every week. Uh, Calvin Ridley is an absolute monster. I think Julio's top 15 if he's healthy, so let's be real. He probably plays 13 games. He's probably top 30-ish. Um, Antonio Brown, Marvin Jones, good depth pieces. Jalen Rager and Digbo, nice little dart throws. Um, I don't think he's expecting anything from them this year, but if he does get something, you know, that'll definitely help him there. Um, at tight end, Tanyan was the TE3 or TE4. I don't remember which now, um, but he had an insane 88% catch rate. It's very, very unrealistic to expect that, that efficiency to continue, but he's definitely a double-digit touchdown threat this year uh, with Aaron Rodgers back. And Irv, Irv Smith is definitely a breakout candidate. I'm interested to see what he does with that tight end position. Um, I'm not sure he can get much higher than, say, tight end three, tight end four with, or not, excuse me, tight end 10-ish uh, with uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen receiving so many targets. But it should be fun to watch him. He's got all the talent in the world. So I'm for fantasy football's sake, I'm hoping that Irv becomes a thing. Um, at D-line, he has the one, the number one and the number two defensive lineman. Um, I was kind of talking a little bit with Mike last night. Um, we were talking about the Carl Lawson injury. And we were talking about how D-line is kind of like tight end. Like, if you don't have one of the big-time, absolute stud difference makers at the position, you're better off just streaming it and seeing what you can find on the waiver wire. And having not just the best guy, but the top two guys at this position, you know, it, it's the equivalent advantage or the advantage that he's getting is pretty substantial um, over his his opponent every week so it, unreal obviously he's got Clowney as well there's lots of unrealized potential there um, playing opposite Miles Garrett in a 4-3 that may help him you know turn some of that unrealized potential into some actual production but uh, time will tell there at linebacker he's got Fred Warner Fred Warner has proven he's got top five upside he also just got a big big contract um, Jalen Smith still a stud uh, is or Jalen Smith you know, is he still a stud, I should say, uh, with Michael Parsons there, with Leighton Vander Esch there? Um, I do think he's top 20, but I'm not sure as far as, you know, push for that top 10 ceiling. You know, having those all those guys there, plus theoretically Keanu Neal might be playing linebacker. It's just a lot of bodies um, in there, and, and I don't know how the snap count's going to look. So I do still think he's top 20, though, like I said. Anthony Walker, huge upside um, in the three-down role there in Cleveland. He is wearing the green dot. Um, not a lot of expectations out of most of the fantasy community for him because he hasn't really been elite by any means, um, but he's certainly in an incredible situation, um, assuming he's able to, to hold that role. And then at DB, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, he's old, but he's definitely a top 12 option. Um, and then the strong safety job in Jacksonville is wide open for Andre Sisco. You know, I'm not sure if he's able to take that early, um, but if he does get it, you know, that's a nice fantasy production there. Deshaun Elliott and Kareem Jackson, they're both solid. They're both free safeties, which kind of limits their upside, but um, they've both been solid over the majority of their careers here. And then Will Duggar, <clears throat> um, he was a second-round pick by New England last year. He played a lot you know, later in the season, um, especially as he got more comfortable with all the opt-outs from COVID that uh, the Patriots had. So I don't know if he'll continue to play a lot of snaps or if they'll kind of dial him back with some of those guys coming back, but um, who knows? I mean, he's, he's kind of a wild card here for Brendan. All right, on to number two. The number two team in the HFFL is Jim. Uh, the HFFL Vegas odds for Jim over under 10.5 wins, and the odds to win the ship are plus 300. Uh, obviously, Pat Mahomes speaks for himself, number one quarterback. A little bit of question marks here at running back, though. Um, Jonathan Taylor losing his quarterback and his best offensive lineman and Quentin Nelson here in the preseason already. Uh, theoretically, they're saying that Wentz could be back week one. 
I haven't really heard a ton on Quentin Nelson, though he did have the same injury as Wentz. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Jonathan Taylor is able to do. Um, they're already, obviously, their left tackle is gone. Uh, they picked up Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher is not going to be ready week one. So offensive line questions are never, ever good for a running back. So he has really kind of fallen in the, the rankings for most people in the fantasy football community over the last couple weeks. But, you know, still a solid option. I expect both Mixon and Taylor, assuming health, to finish in that 8 to 12 range. Um, kind of underwhelming, really, but still, you know, solid duo. Uh, Chase Edmonds has a little bit of upside, but he's a very low floor player. Jamal, Jamal Williams is kind of what he is, you know, even if he ends up being the 1A, you know, what is he, what is he, 200 touches for 900 total yards and six touchdowns, like that's not world beating by any means. Um, Rashad Penny, RIP, you just, I can't quit you. Um, at wide receiver, picked up DK Metcalf this offseason. Um, he's a little bit inconsistent, but when he goes off, he goes big time. Uh, we got DJ Moore, <clears throat> yardage monster, but only averages less than three and a half touchdowns a year, so limited upside there with him unless he decides to get off the schneid but hard to believe that that happens with Sam Darnold uh, Chris Godwin was the wide receiver too with Jameis two years ago uh, but obviously Tom spreads the ball out way more and having a B there definitely limits Godwin's ceiling I don't have a ton of arguments there for that uh, Juju another guy who blew up a couple years ago but hasn't quite been the same since uh, wide receiver 9 in 2018 with 110 1407 um, but he's only had 139 catches, 1,380 yards, and 12 touchdowns in the two years since that. So uh, this is a make-or-break deal for him, or year for him, I should say. He's on a one-year deal with Pittsburgh. He did decide to come back, um, and uh, he's got a rebound if he wants to get paid next year. Ruggs and Hardman, total dart throws. Um, looking at Hardman just makes me sad. I want him to be good so bad. Come on, Nicole. Let's go. You owe me. Um, at tight end, obviously George Kittle's really good. Um, he's been dinged up the last couple years. And I'm a little bit nervous about the transition to Trey Lance, but he's, he should be targeted just fine. Uh, Dallas Goddard, he's had his values absolutely just cut at the knees with Zach Ertz coming back. Um, so, I mean, solid backup, sure, but he's really not uh, a guy you want to be starting week in and week out right now. At D-line, I uh, traded Chris Jones. So right now I've got uh, JPP and finally a healthy Daniil Hunter. So that'll be a, a strong unit for me this year going in. At linebacker, um, I had the best linebacker core in the league last year by over 100 points. Um, in fairness, a lot of teams were playing three DBs where I was playing three linebackers, but still. Um, Devin White's absolute stud. Shaq Thompson, Foyce Luakan, Jerome, Jerome Baker, they're all top 25 guys. Um, and then that DB, Derwin James is back and healthy. Um, top five guy when he's ready to go. Uh, John, adding John Johnson this offseason, hopefully to kind of bolster that unit. Um, he's a top 10 definitely guy. Who really knows what to do with Keanu Neal? We've talked about it a lot here. Uh, but I have to believe he's in a similar role, or why else do you even bring him there? And then on to Tier 1, the championship or bust, the absolute favorite, obviously the odds-on favorite. Uh, we have Scott. The HFFL Vegas over-under is 11.5 wins, and the odds are minus 200. Uh, at quarterback, he's got Tannehill, very hot player in the fantasy football community. Um, if you guys listened to two pods ago, <clears throat> Rich and Corey uh, were on the opposite side of Mike for where the Tannehill, Tannehill would finish this year. Um, fantasy community as a whole, like I said, very high on him. Most of them have them, him in their top 10, so it'll be interesting to see you know, what he does going forward. Uh, Carson Wentz, we don't know when he'll be back. Daniel Jones, is he going to bounce back this year? To me, I don't, don't see it, but it's possible. And then why even waste the roster spot on Teddy? You know, even if Teddy wins the job, he's not going to start. He's probably not going to start for you, so you might as well use that somewhere else. Uh, Kamara and Saquon, obviously the best duo at running back in the league. 
Miles Sanders is probably the best running back three in the league, although David Montgomery probably has a lot to say about that. I think those two are, are right there. And, and thinking about it, I think i got to give the edge to Montgomery, but Miles Sanders does have some nice upside. Um, got a couple of pass catchers with decent floors with J.D. McKissick and Naeem Hines. Um, and that's, you know, that's really it there. And, I mean, very, very deep, very solid, very top-heavy, very good group. At wide receiver, um, I have to admit I was wrong on Stephon Diggs last year. <clears throat> I figured if he couldn't do better than he did in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, there was no way he was going to do better with Josh Allen. And obviously Josh Allen made a gigantic leap um, in his ability as an NFL passer. So Stephon Diggs was a direct beneficiary, and he went nuts. Um, obviously right now, uh, Diggs and Keenan is probably the number two or number three duo at wide receiver in the league. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they were able to outscore was that probably my my idea of the best unit, which is Jeff's, uh, Devontae, and Justin Jefferson. So uh, Kenny G got big-time number one money, but to me he's not really a, even a top 15 option this year. Uh, going to the Giants, he definitely chased the money, and I'm just, just very, very happy that the Lions did not spend that money. Um, OBJ, total wild card at this point. I mean, if he was the wide receiver 36, I don't think anybody would be surprised. If he was a wide receiver six, I don't really think that many people would be surprised. So uh, a lot of uncertainty there with OBJ, but definitely nice to have, you know, as your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, um, or a flex option, however you want to play that. And he's got some good depth guys. I mean, that's the kind of the, the theme of Scott's team. You know, yes, he's got very good starters, but even when one of them goes down, like last year with Saquon, he's got the depth to, to buoy himself here. So he's got Emmanuel Sanders, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, you know, very, very deep unit at wide receiver. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is the unquestioned tight end one. Not really not much to say there. Joey Bosa is a very good lineman, D lineman. Um, Stefan Tuitt is top 25, but I don't really think he's anything special. Um, and obviously, he doesn't even carry a third defensive end. And then at linebacker, Darius Leonard is amazing. He just uh, wrapped up a nice big, nice big new contract, so he's all set there. Um, Eric Kendrins, Tr Kendricks, Tremaine Edmonds, both very good players. Um, top 20 locks. These are very, very good linemen, or linebackers. And then at DB, um, obviously this has been the group for Scott. He's got Buda and Justin Simmons, like I said, uh, behind Ryan's duo there is the second best duo in the league, but his depth is unmatched. I mean, he's got Tracy Walker, he's got Kevin Byard. You know, he, they both have top 10 upside, and they've both kind of shown that in the past. So a lot of good things there for Scott. If you are curious um, as far as the ranks go, that's obviously the last team there, but as far as my uh, my model, the top offense in the league this year, the top three, uh, number one, Scott, number two, Jim, number three, Brendan, the bottom three offensive teams in the league this year, Walt, Kobe, and Sam as the worst uh, lowest scoring team there. And then defensively, the highest scoring unit is Scott, followed by Jim and Ryan. And then defensively on the low end, the third lowest scoring unit, uh, Kellen, then Mike, then Kobe. So uh, thank you guys for listening to this. I got a lot of respect for people who do podcasts uh, solo as a living. This is it's a lot of work. I had to stop probably five or six times. My voice is hurting. I'm struggling. I had to stop for lunch, go to the chiropractor. So it's a bunch of rough day here in, uh, in rough day America, I guess. First world problems, I guess. All right. Appreciate you guys listening. Have a good one.